Right, well, you are all looking fantastic, aren't you, this morning? It's a chilly day, and I really appreciate you coming out here, and it's really great to be with you all and to be here together today. And um, we are looking at our next Kingdom Principle together, a brand new one that we're looking at. And um, just to remind you, we look one week we look at the principle, and the week after we look at the promise. And so today we're looking at the new principle called storing. So... We don't have a clicker, bear with us. So if you look at the next picture, this is my son, my youngest son. We have three. This is my youngest son, Micah. And we used to live on the coast of Northern Ireland. And so we used to, um, there's a very coffee shop kind of culture there. You would often go and meet people at coffee shops, have some coffee or hot tea and We've got such beautiful views. A lot of them were just right by the coastline, so you could just watch out at the sea. And um, in some of them, they have these binoculars that you could look out at the sea at. And um, he he used to love going in and uh, trying them out and looking through. And it's a good thing to remember that as we're going through these principles, we have to make sure we're looking through the right lens. Because as we're looking through different lenses, you'll see different things. Now, he would sometimes put them the right way around, and you could sometimes catch a dolphin, and you could see the seals on the rocks and stuff like that. And sometimes he'd flip them around the other way, and he'd be like, whoa, mommy, you look so far away. You know, I was sitting here. And depending on the lens that we use to view the principle, it gives us a very different perspective. Now, if we go to the line, Again, um, if you have been here the last few weeks, you'll be familiar with the line. So the line is like the law. And so it might be, well, what can I do to be really good? What can I do to earn something? Or what can I do to get away from God's wrath? How far can I get before he gets mad with me? You know, is this allowed? Or or, or is this allowed? Is this allowed? Or will I get in trouble then? Where do I sit on the line? And so we can be people who focus on what what is the right thing to do or to be or to think, what what give me the rules. Or there's here, up here is the cloud, which is where we, we really want to dwell. We really want to be people who are dwelling in the cloud. And the cloud is, what is the heart of God? What what is the reason for these principles? And how can we be people who think about what God wants? How can we have questions about, um, about the decisions we make? How can we think about what is pleasing to God? And what is the heart behind it to build God's kingdom? And so we can, um, we can be either one, but the lens that we view will either help us to try and live a life of law and we'll never really become a good person or we can choose to live higher and above and see things from God's perspective and pursue God's heart and pursue his questions and his dreams and his viewpoint over our life. So we're looking at a principle today called storing and uh, we often have a struggle with this. There's been a conversation going on for centuries on, you know, what what can we get away with? What can we do? How can I store up good things? And it can really be a struggle sometimes. So, do I have your permission? Can we get real for a second? Yeah, are we okay with that? We can can be honest? We're among friends? All right. Well, let's be honest. How many of us ever feel like we're out of control? Always. (laughs) 
How many of us get to the end of the day sometimes and just think, oh man, I've mucked it up today so badly. (laughs) Or driving in on the way to church and we're like, oh, I wish I'd not shouted at the kids to find their shoes. It's a miracle how in our household, they can have their shoes the night before, take them off, and something miraculous happens overnight where those shoes go to the four corners and how two pairs, two shoes go to four places, I don't know. But they swear blind, absolutely swear blind, that their shoes are not upstairs. And take a little walk upstairs and where are the shoes? Scattered across the different rooms upstairs. How it happens, I have no idea. But some of us will screech in on two wheels into that car park feeling like, I wish I'd not screamed at them to find their shoes this morning. And... Uh, You know, it's a struggle, isn't it? Sometimes life is a struggle. Life is a struggle sometimes to do the thing that we want to do, to do the right things that we know we should do, to behave in the way that we know we should behave, uh, not to react in the way that we know we shouldn't react sometimes. Life can be a wrestling match, can be a struggle. And uh, the good news, there is good news coming. The good news, though, is that we're in fine company. And um, Paul the Apostle writes about this struggle. Um, It's a bit of a tongue twister. And as you can see, uh, already this morning, I've got myself in a mess talking about Christmas when I really meant Easter and uh, getting the months wrong and stuff like that. So, um, uh, Bob, would you do me a favor? Have you got your Bible with you? Oh, testing. (laughs) Oh, oh, it's all right. That's that's fine. That's, that's, That's okay. Could you, uh, could you look up Romans 7, please? And um, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask if you can come and read the biblical tongue twister. Because who knows what might come out if I start reading. <laughs> uh, 7, 15 to 22. Uh, could you come and use a microphone, perhaps? Give him a round of applause. Come on, Bob. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. So far I've managed to... (laughs) I could stop. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Well done. (laughs) He did well, he did well. So that's, that's Romans 7, uh, verses 15 on. And, uh, you know, I think Paul, uh, when he's writing to the Romans, kind of has that sense of uh, that wrestling match, that struggle of, I know what I want to do, but sometimes it's just so hard to do it. Or, or, or I know what I shouldn't do, and sometimes it's just so hard not to do it. That internal struggle, that internal, that conversation that we have with ourselves where we get to the end of the day and we think, oh, and I wish I'd not said that. I wish I'd not reacted in that way. Oh. You know, that moment, 
uh, when we're in that heat of the moment and we're trying to make the right choices, but it's just sometimes such a struggle. Mm -hmm. And we wrestle with ourselves, we wrestle. And sometimes uh, we, we leave that wrestling match feeling guilty and sometimes that we leave that wrestling match feeling like Rocky, feeling like we've overcome. But who, what we want to explore today is, is a principle that will help us feel like overcomers more often than we feel like we've failed. And so we're going to be unpacking this idea um, of how we can do that. Fantastic. I had a friend called Sarah, and she always did the right thing. Did you ever have a friend like that? You're like, oh, she always, everyone likes her. She always says the right thing, and she always does the right thing. And I feel like I mess up all the time, and I end up thinking, oh, you're so stupid. Why did you say that? And, um, you know, with us in our Christian walk with God, as we are looking to serve God and to be the person that God's really created us to be, you know, we don't have to feel like, oh, I want to be like that person, or if only I was this, and it's just fate. It's just something that, that I'm stuck with. It's, um, it's going to be, there's, there's a principle here that's going to help us because there's something we can do that is going to be great for all of us. So um, how do we do that? How do we become the person that we know we want to be? We see other people can be that person. What can we do? Let's have a look at the principle. Matthew chapter 12, verse 35. In the NIV version, it says this. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. King James, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. New Living Translation, a good person produces good words from a good heart, and an evil person produces evil words from an evil heart. So therefore, it's quite simple from looking at this. Good in means good out. Rubbish in, as I would say, or trash in, as you would say. Trash out, garbage. Garbage, trash, same thing, right? Right? We knew this would happen. You'll have to excuse us. <laughs> so the more good you store up in yourself, the more good is going to come out. The more garbage we put into us, the more garbage is going to come out. So rubbish in, rubbish out, what we store inside is really, really important. But it gives us hope that the decisions that we're making, the choices that we're making that become part of who we are and make us up to be the people who we are, it's not up to fate, it's up to what we're storing what comes out, the way we process things, the way we make decisions, the choices we make, whether they're good depends on what we have already inputted inside of us. And um, he forms us over time. Like Ryan was saying, you know, we're partnering with God. You know, we're partnering on this this morning. God is always partnering with you. He is for you. We don't have to do this on our own. He is there and we get to partner with him as he's, it's a process that he does inside of us. It's a process. It's a journey that he's taken us on. We might not be the people that we really know we can be or that we want to be right now, but that's okay. We are going towards the right place. God 
sees us and he makes a work within us. I used to be the shyest, quietest person you ever saw in your life. And I know you'll find that hard to believe, maybe. I'm sorry. I can't stop talking these days. But I used to be that girl in a class who would sit there and I dare not answer any question, even though I knew the right answer, because I couldn't bear to put my hand up and anyone to look at me. I was the girl who wouldn't even ask to go to the bathroom because I was too frightened of putting my hand up in the classroom. I was the girl who had like a couple of friends and I was really timid and really shy and I wouldn't say we say boo to a goose. I wouldn't say boo to a goose. I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk to anybody, I wouldn't do anything, just in case anyone would look at me. I was so ridiculously shy. And through the years, God has done an amazing work in me. And he is, I'm, I still get scared about certain things, but God has transformed my life into being somebody who is able to confidently stand up to talk to you today about things that I know are so true and so important that we can grasp that he partners with us and it's him that does an amazing work in us. And if he can do it in me, he can do it in anybody and he can do it in you. The stuff that we are putting into our lives, he does a work with us and he partners with us and he takes us on this incredible journey and it's exciting. And we, we get the choice of, of the kind of person that we want to be and God is there coaching us and resourcing us every single step of the way. You know, if you've, if you've been around Christian circles for any length of time, you'll probably be familiar with, um, you know, many of us have tried to figure, figure out the secret of, of winning this wrestling match uh, by trying to figure out, okay, what's, uh, what's worldly, what's uh, the right thing to do, and trying to figure out those questions, you know, that we, we put on the line of, of what do we need to do in order to... Um, to kind of convince God uh, that we are righteous and to convince God that we're, we're healthy or what do we, uh, how much can we get away with before we overstep that mark and we've incurred God's wrath. Uh, and, you know, I, probably when I was about our oldest son's age, about uh, 10, I, I was never one for sitting around in the house playing computer games. I was always outdoors doing something. Uh, on my bike or um, on my skateboard or, or out doing something. And I remember one time my dad had taken me on a bike ride um, through uh, a, a local woods and into like a kind of a big lake area like this. And on the edge of one of uh, the, the, um, the trails um, down towards the lake, there was a huge hill. And it was, um, as a 10-year-old, it felt like it was near vertical. And it felt like it went on forever. If I went back there these days, it would probably be like, I don't know, um, I don't know what degree, probably not that as steep as it seemed that it was as a 10-year-old. But I remember getting to the edge of this on my BMX and kind of tipping over and suddenly just gravity took me. And suddenly I was hurtling down this um, and uh, I don't really know what happened in the panic of hurtling down this hill. Uh, my, I, I just didn't have the presence of mind to press my brakes. I didn't know what I was doing. Legs out, arms out, like everything <laughs> kind of just panicking. And um, I hit a bump at the bottom, hit a rock or something, and came off into a big patch of stingy nettles. <laughs> you guys have stingy nettles over here? They're a thing, yeah? Um, just checking when nothing's getting lost in translation. Big patch of stingy nettles. I think it was summer, and... Um, I think I was like wearing shorts and a t-shirt, so I'm getting stung all over by these stingy nettles. 
thank you, thank you. I feel like you guys are with me and there's sympathy. Uh, and uh, I remember as uh, my dad kind of tried to, to get down this hill as quick as possible without landing on top of me in the stinging nettles, I remember the, the, uh, a punk rock kind of guy walked around the corner. Massive green Mohican, like piercings everywhere, um, leather jacket, uh, like shredded jeans, worse than mine, um, and big Doc Martins, like Doc Martins up to here. And like in those days, like the the kind of uh, the more extreme you were in kind of your punk rock, the more holes you had in your Doc Martins. And I feel like they were up to his knees. And just uh, this guy looked terrifying as a ten-year-old. And I remember growing up in church, kind of being told that, um, you know, uh, wearing those kind of clothes or um, getting tattooed and, and, and wearing earrings and um, shredded jeans, that was worldly. That was wrong. That was the work of the enemy. And those people should be avoided at all times. I grew up in a, in a small Baptist church in Manchester, and that was the kind of impression we'd got. And I remember this guy reaching out his hand and almost physically recoiling in terror <laughs> because I was like, it's the devil. He's come to get me. You know. But it's funny, the things that we think of as worldly. Um, and Paul, not the apostle, Paul Gibbs, uh, <laughs> He is an apostle, I suppose, but not from the Bible. Uh, let's, let's not commit heresy. But in, in, in the book that he's written about these kingdom principles, uh, he, he writes a short passage a, a, about this, which I think is really helpful for us um, as we're thinking about this principle. Absolutely. Who makes, who makes this stuff up? Like, you can't do these things. The book here says, Who decides what is worldly? When arguing our case... For what is right and wrong, the desire to fixate upon the line is never stronger than in the topic of morality. When it comes to righteousness, line dwellers are constrained by their questions. Which movie rating is okay for me to watch? Ah, PG-13 or PG? How short can my skirt be? Some of you this might not apply to. I uh, debate. <laughs> is it thigh high? Is that okay? Has it got to be two inches below? Is it knee-high, ankle-high? How far can we go? Holding hands, kissing, fondling. Cloud dwellers, however, are compelled by his questions. How much do you care about my reputation? How free do you want to be to pursue my dream? How much of my power do you want in your religion? Cloud dwellers obey with the knowledge that how they behave does not simply reflect upon themselves, they're not prisoners to the religious police. They're not earning air miles for a trip to heaven. For them, the rules are not a slide rule, slide rule, but a springboard from which to live above the line. As one cloud dweller aptly said, worldliness is that which calls our affections towards God. And I think that sums up a lot of what we're talking about this morning. Worldliness is that which calls our affection towards God. And so the question is less about, okay, how do we define worldly? How do we figure out what's right? How do we figure out what's wrong? And more about, um, more about how can we live in a way 
that is in pursuit of God's heart? How can we live in a way that is in pursuit of the things that God is passionate about? And you know, the enemy, uh, let's be honest, does come and, and try and distract us. And I think the biggest distraction sometimes, though, is not just the temptations that we face. But sometimes the biggest distraction is this debate of what is right, what is wrong. How far can we go? What should we do? What shouldn't we do? All these questions. Now, so many times they are, are based on a heart that is wanting to, to honour God, wanting to please God. But sometimes we've missed the point. Sometimes we've missed the point and we've become so consumed by what's right and what's wrong and debating these moral issues that we miss the fact that God is, is, is not calling us to, to live focused on what's right and what's wrong, but he's calling us to, to live focused on what's in his heart. He's calling us to live focused on what is um, in his, um, what he's passionate about. What He's calling us to focus on the things that excite him. And the reality is, if we focus on those kinds of things, then the other things kind of fall into place. If I live focused on what is going to make Becky happy, I automatically know, I automatically don't do the things, I automatically put the dishes in the dishwasher and don't just leave them on the side. I'm not debating whether it's right or whether it's wrong for me to load the dishwasher. This is one of Beck's pet hates. <laughs> she drives her mad that... Who's with me? Who's with me? Drives thank her you, mad thank that you. somehow something happens in that process of... It's of six inches play on to the, the dishwasher. Side. Six inches from here where you leave it to just putting it in there. That's all it is. I'm just saying. And so rather than debating <laughs> on, fellas, is the side of a, 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 a good place for a dish? Or, fellas, should we put that dish in the dishwasher rather than debating the right or the wrong? If I'm living because I want to, uh, to honour uh, my wife, if I'm living because I want to please her, I stop debating those things. I stop debating what's right and what's wrong. And I start thinking about what will please her and what will make her happy. And what will, uh, when she walks into that kitchen and all the sides are clear and spotless, how much that will make her smile. <laughs> I know we take a, a trivial and almost daft uh, example, but you get, the, you get the point of where I'm going with it. You get the point of, <clears throat> rather than debating incessantly of what's right and what's wrong, if we start to focus on, on, on what is pleasing to God, and if we start to focus on what will make him happy and what will make him smile and the things that he's passionate about, then all those other things are going to just fall into place. And you know... God declares something over our life. This morning, God declares that we can be righteous. God declares that you are more than conquerors. He declares that you are his children, that we are a royal priesthood. He declares that he delights over us. He declares that you are bold and you are courageous. And the reality when he declares those things over our lives, he's not dangling a kind of cosmic carrot in front of our noses and saying, you guys could be, if you just stop, if you just stop 
doing these naughty things. You guys could be more than conquerors. He's not dangling a cosmic carrot or, you know, it's not kind of wishful thinking or, or uh, irrational optimism on his part. He's given us a principle. He's given us, uh, he's set into the very fabric of our, our world and our existence, this principle that means that we can overcome, that means that we can, if we store up good, then good will result. Mm-hmm. If we pursue his heart, then good will result. If we start uh, investing in our lives and, and storing up, then good will come out. You know, despite our struggles, he believes in us. Do you know that this morning? He believes in you. We might not feel like it this morning sometimes. We might not feel like he believes in us, but he does. He believes in you, maybe more than you believe in yourself. He believes in you, that you can be more than a conqueror, that you can uh, overcome. He believes in you, that you can live a righteous life, that you can be bold and courageous. He believes um, even us, uh, even if we don't believe in ourselves. We long to see God's story <clears throat> written across our communities, written across our culture. We long to see our world transformed. We long to see, to turn on the news and not read stories of tragedy and loss and war and famine and all those tragic things that we watch. We long to see our culture renewed. We long to see God's story breaking into our world. And I genuinely believe it can happen if we begin to store up. And we, I genuinely believe it can happen if, through this principle. You know, Paul the Apostle, this time it is in the Bible, and Paul the Apostle writes in Romans eight thirty-five. he says who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we face death all day long and we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We can write God's story in our culture. We can write God's stories in our communities, in our workplaces. We can write God's stories in our families, in our uh, friendship circles, in our sports activities, in our clubs. And uh, we can write God's story throughout our uh, culture. It is possible. And it's possible through this principle. The factor that defines whether it's possible and defines what story we will write is not just what we choose to avoid, but what we choose to store. And there's an interesting bit in Galatians. If you look at the letter that was written to the Galatians, um, in chapter 5, if you look at it from 19, he lists the acts of the flesh here. So it says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, 
fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those are the kind of things that he's saying, I see this all around me and this is not for you. This is not, this is not the kind of person that is going to inherit the kingdom of God. This is not how his kingdom is going to spread. These kind of things are not from you. So we would imagine that the next step would be, so what I want you to do is be faithful in your marriage. Make sure you attend church regularly. Um, make sure that you remain um, pure. But he doesn't. He doesn't go from one end of the line to the other end of the line. This is how to be really good. It's really interesting what, what he does go to. He points to the cloud. So the next bit says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And you can read one, one of them and it makes you think, oh, it's just horrible. And the other one you're like, that is, that is amazing. All those things are wonderful things. And that is what the fruit of the Spirit is. This is what, what grows and is produced in your life because of the Spirit of God. So it's not about living a law-led life and thinking about what I can and can't do to be a right person, to be a good person. It's about living a Spirit-led life, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us in our everyday, in our decisions, in the person that we're becoming, allowing him to speak into our lives that will then produce these kind of things that is a kingdom-minded thing, a thing that is living in the cloud, a thing that there's no law against these things. Wouldn't it be wonderful if in your workplace everyone was full of love for each other, that there was joy, that there was peace, that there wouldn't be any politics going on and everyone was like talking about each other behind their backs? But it was a place where people were encouraged, where people were built up, where people were gentle with one another. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great if, if when you're going to your sporting event, um, that, that people are just putting each other first, and that you're there, and you're, you're helping and supporting one another? Wouldn't it be great if you're going to the supermarket, and people are not pushing past you to get to the front of the queue of the next thing, but people are thinking about each other's. Just general, everyday things that people are living according to the love and the joy and the peace and all of the things of the fruit of the Spirit. That would be absolutely fantastic. And that is what is available for us to actually live like that. We don't have to be slaves to all the stuff that goes wrong. We can bear fruit in our life from what the Spirit is leading us and guiding us. And... Um, when we want that and when we're focused on that, that, that is what comes out. And when we focus on, on the bad stuff, you know, so we started a diet before we came here. And um, Mark ended up losing 50 pounds on this diet in a few months, right? Expensive diet. <laughs> pounds to us is money. Anyway, um, so, so, but at the very beginning of something, you know when you're like, you've got this list of what you're allowed to eat and this list of what you don't, you're not allowed. All you can think about is that thing that you're not allowed. 
I mustn't have chocolate. I mustn't have chocolate. I mustn't have chocolate. I really, really want it though. I mustn't have chocolate. I mustn't. I really want chocolate. Oh, I really want chocolate. And it absolutely can drive you insane, can't it? That the thing you don't, you know, you, you mustn't have is the only thing you end up being able to think about because it's like, oh, I've made this decision and now I'm not sure. And the more you think about what you can't have, the more that's when you want it. And it's the same with this principle. The more you think about, I mustn't be that kind of person. I mustn't do that. I mustn't do that. That's kind of like what you end up thinking about. And so that's what you become. So it takes a real shift in our mind with the power of the Spirit working in us, partnering with us, to start thinking about, okay, so why? One of my friends has got this daughter who's about to go to a formal, and she's really into surfing, and she wanted to eat healthy to be all ready. And so on the fridge, she's put this picture of this beautiful dress that she wants to wear, and a picture of someone surfing. And it's like, please remember to eat healthy, remember what it's for. And when you have that kind of perspective and that lens of, it's not all about what you mustn't do, but it's why. I want, to, I, want to, I want my diet so that I can be really healthy, so I can really enjoy my surfing, be the best at what I'm doing, and so I can have this lovely dress. You know, and it's the same with us with the kingdom of God. What do we want to achieve? We want to see other people released and freed into the kingdom of God, don't we? We want his reign and his rule everywhere. We want our cities, our, our neighbors. We want our neighborhood to be transformed so that everyone knows the presence of God everywhere we go. And so that is our focus. We focus on that. God, how can I really live to fulfill this in, in, in my neighborhood today? I need more of your spirit. Let's think about that today. And next week, we're going to be looking more about the promises of God and what that really looks like on a day-to-day. And um, we'll be, we're going into that. But for today, let's just remember we're partnering with God. So let's close our eyes for one moment as we finish. And think about, you know, we, we, God's not after your behavior. He's actually after your heart. And as we're thinking about um, the kind of people we want to be, he's not after, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up. I'd hate it if Mark just bought me all the right things, but actually I didn't feel that he loved me at all. It's not about the things that we do. It's about our heart and how much we love him. And so we're just going to pray and ask God to come and help us. Ask the Holy Spirit just to partner with us. So Holy Spirit, we just really welcome you into our hearts. We welcome you into this place. And God, the more we have stored up of good, the more of your spirit we have at work in our lives, the more it comes out. And that is the kind of people we want to be. We want to have your dreams and your heart for the world around us. So God, right now for us all, I just pray that you will come, rest on us, fill us again with your spirit, that we might see the fruit of that that we've stored up inside of us. Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit. We welcome your freedom. We welcome freedom from guilt. Those of us that wrestle with the guilt of falling short of your expectations or what we feel are your expectations. 
for those of us that wrestle with the guilt of and frustration of not doing what we want to do or reacting in ways that we don't want to. We welcome your freedom. We welcome your forgiveness and your grace. We welcome all of who you are, God. For those of us who are wrestling with forgiveness this morning, as Bob mentioned early on in the service, for those of us who are wrestling with with how to forgive, God, we welcome your freedom and we welcome your power. Yeah, come. Oh, have your way. Have your way in us. We open our hearts. We open our lives to all of you, God. You help us to encounter you afresh in a way that helps us understand your heart. Freedom is in this place this morning. We thank you, Father. We thank you that you are so good, so good to us. We declare freedom over anxiety and over over um, fear of getting it wrong. Declare your freedom in Jesus' name.